welcome to another Intersec podcast, bringing you lively discussions on the latest technologies and trends staring the future of the Middle East and global security, safety and fire protection industries. Whether an office, a public space, critical infrastructure, digital or physical, the need to protect assets is of the utmost importance to ensure business continuity and resilience. And to that end, in our episode today, we'll talk about the four Ds of asset protection. Joining us all the way from the UK is Rick Mountfield, virtually, of course, Chief Executive of the Security Institute in the UK. Rick, um, good to have you with us. And uh, first of all, how's the weather in, the, in, in England? Well, Gareth, uh, it's great to be on with you. <clears throat> and for once, I can say that the weather is beautiful in the UK. It is full on spring and the trees outside my office are starting to bloom. So it's going green. Uh, yeah, it's really <laughs> nice. Yeah, good to hear. Spring has finally sprung. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, anyway, let's uh, we'll get into the four Ds of security shortly. But um, before we get into that, if you can just uh, give us a brief introduction for those of us who don't know um, about the Security Institute in the UK. And uh, of course, I understand you also have some activities here in the Middle East. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, the Security Institute is the largest professional membership organization in the UK. Uh, we have just over 4,000 members. Uh, that includes uh, 35 government departments um, and we are a not-for-profit so we have no shareholders everything that we uh, earn in revenue goes back into the benefits of the membership uh, that's our raison d'etre it was the institute was was born 22 years ago this year by a group of security professionals um, and yeah, whilst we are predominantly a, um, a UK focused uh, risk uh, management um, focused organization, we, we do have clusters of members in about 40 other countries. And one of our biggest cohorts outside of the UK is across the Middle East, uh, UAE specifically. So we have a Middle East members group, uh, ably chaired by uh, Pete O'Connell, <clears throat> And yeah, we have a, um, a memorandum of understanding with CIRA and we run monthly uh, joint uh, webinars with the SPA in Dubai. Um, yeah, we, we really do enjoy um, collaborating with our, with our partners across the Middle East. Okay, and how long have you been in the UAE and, and how long have you had a presence here? Wow, uh, long, probably long before my time. We, uh, at least five years. I mean, the MOU was signed at Intersec actually uh, in 2018. Okay. And, yeah. you know, I, I always enjoy getting across to Dubai for Intersec uh, every January. Really missed it um, in 2020. Yeah, I think actually we were. But um, yeah, we we do we do try and um, and get over as much as as we can, and we look forward to getting there again next year. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be uh, another well, it'll be two years when the next intersect comes along in, in January twenty twenty two. So, I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, lots of catching up to do uh, live Indeed. and in person. Yeah. So uh, let's just get into it then. Um, the uh, the four Ds of security and asset protection, or the security of asset asset protection, uh, deter, detect, delay, and deny. Um, let's just go through these uh, one by one. What do these entail, and how do they apply? Let's let's say apply them to a, a public place or, or critical infrastructure. Um, what do they do? What do we do here? So you know, like I said, the the way we look at security is a risk based approach to security. So um, the four Ds is a staple of any risk management program, 
that will counter threats. And that could be threats from counterterrorism, organized crime, right down to threats from pickpocketing and petty, petty crime. Because the, the four Ds are there and there are many variations of them, but they are very flexible. And the deter, detect, delay and deny aspects are, are the, the, the core ones that I would promote. But if we look at, uh, for instance, the critical national infrastructure industry and specifically the nuclear industry, I mean, the global threat reduction plan is based around 4Ds, but they use a different 4Ds. They use dissuade, they use detect <laughs> next, then they deny and then they defend, but that's a national security issue. Um, so, mm. but if you look at the, um, in the USA, they have uh, four Ds that end with destroy because there, there is, you know, they, they have, um, they have firearms there. So security officers can counter attack, but if you don't have weapons to counter attack an armed attack, then you should not be engaging in that way. So, mm. We, we widely, we talk about deter, you know, deter, deterring a crime, a criminal is, um, is based around the fact that they are risk assessing. Criminals risk assess what they're doing. If I'm a burglar and I look at a great big house and I think, right, I'm going to, I'm going to burgle that house because I think looking at the wealth that you would need to own a house like that, I'm going to get a good haul of jewelry, of money, watches. Um, but if there's good security around that property, I'm now balancing that off. What am I going to get away with? And what is the chance of me being caught and put in prison? And if the if the risk of being caught and put in prison is greater than what I know I will get, then then I'll probably go and look to burgle somewhere that doesn't have as good a security posture. Mm. When we look at detection, we want to detect that crime as early as possible. But if we're looking at hostile reconnaissance, like we, we you know, because criminals will reconnoiter the, the, the asset that they're going to target, if you can spot that person seeking information and deny them the information they need to make a good yeah, risk yeah. assessment, then, then you're detecting. That way you're denying them the aim of what the crime is deny yeah. their goals if that's a reconnaissance then deny them the information they need to make a good risk assessment and that, and that could be as simple as a security officer seeing somebody suspicious taking photographs taking notes go over and say hello to them let them know politely that you have clocked them they will know that you are a vigilant security officer and therefore they will think right i'm not going to get away with this and whilst my my haul, the, the things that I can steal is worth a lot mm. of money, it's not worth me going to prison for. So, you you know, a good security posture from security officers is really strong deterrent to, to the crime. So you deny them that. Um, and, you know, and delay is as simple as a layered security approach, uh, fences, good strong doors, windows, the fabric of the building, um, vehicle ho hostile vehicle mitigation barriers, uh, things that stop vehicles getting in that is going to deny them getting away with anything that's bigger than they can carry. Because yeah, if you yeah. get a vehicle into a into near an asset, you can steal much bigger things. 
if you can't get a vehicle nearby, then you're only going to get away with what you can carry in a backpack. So that is a deterrent. It is also a, a denial um, and it will delay as well. So those sure, four, sure. those four D's are the, the primary ones, but you can, you can pick and choose depending on what mm. your asset is and what your priorities are, which is why I say a risk-based approach. What is the biggest risk? How do I slow them down, detect them, deny them um, from doing that? Sure. And the, the world that we're living in is, of course, is becoming more digitalized. We're living in a digital world. When we're talking about deterrence, um, are the physical and technical technological barriers in place to deter, to deter um, are they enough? Do we need to upgrade? Do we need, how quickly does deterrence tech need to adapt to this digital world that we're living in now? Yeah, no, we, we look at the protection of an asset in three in three um, points of a triangle. There, there is personnel security, the security officers, the the um, the eyes on the ground. There is the barriers, the hostile vehicle mitigation that stops the vehicles getting close. Mm -hmm. um, but there is also surveillance and technical measures uh, are a big deterrent in CCTV sense. But but that's not going to prevent an insider threat. So personnel security has to be strong as well. Um, so as far as credentials to get into a building, then things have to be have to be strong on cyber security, um, and they need to be applicable in the sense that if we can use two-factor authentication, whether that be biometrics and an access card. Um, then that is stronger than just have an access card. Because if you have your access card and I steal it and there's no two-factor authentication, then I can use your card because the system is not going to know that it's not you that's using that card. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there, there is, you know, there is a strong need for multiple layers, even in the technical security aspect. So biometrics are becoming so much more advanced that we can use um facial recognition and an access card an access card and a pin number that will prevent um somebody just obtaining the card and then being mm. able to gain access and and mobile phone technology these days is is even stronger you know the the credentials that you can use in your phone um are arguably a better option than than a process access card because people will lend their cards to other people but if I forget my access card and you have yours and I say, oh, Gareth, I need to pop back into the office. Um, would you lend me your card? Because I've left mine at home. You'll let me borrow your card. But, mm. if, but if, it was a, if it was your mobile phone is where your credentials are, I guarantee you're not going to lend me your phone to get back into the building because, you know, your phone is an extension of yourself these days, isn't it? So much, technology yeah. has a really big part to play. Um Let's say okay, there's an asset breach. We've already spoke about the various um, de detection um, technologies, of course, CCTV sensors, access control. Are there, are there any other sort of delay mechanisms that we can use um, to that are important for a critical and robust security design? Yeah, and this comes back to the onion layer approach. Layered security is is essential because if you if you have no perimeter, let's say your your house is um, on the curbside, which you know in London, which is where I I live, many of the the most expensive houses actually open onto the pavement in Mayfair and Kensington. There is no perimeter, so the first time you're aware of anybody being 
uh, or trying to attempt to gain access to your home, it's when they're at your front door or at your window. If you can put a fence line in, then, then you're going to detect them before they get to the house. That allows time for the police to be informed and the police to give a response or your security guard force to, to mount a response. So fences are, are the, the best layer. Put them further, sure. as far away as you can. Hostile vehicle mitigation, access control at gates, landscaping. You know, you can, you can put landscaping in berms like banks, grassed banks that uh, are built with a certain degree of elevation. So if it's over 45 degrees that you can't drive a vehicle over that berm, you might not need a fence, but it, it will stop vehicles, but it won't stop people. So the landscaping yeah. is, is important um, in tandem with perimeter intrusion detection systems and CCTV that will mm. give you a delay and also a detect ability at the same time um, at your doors security uh, rated doors that will um, defend against different types of tools maybe just a sledgehammer maybe uh, lock picking it may be that disc saws could be used but if you're if the thing you're protecting is high value or critical national infrastructure then you need to be able to delay for longer. So you have to put in the right architecture on the doors and windows to prevent that layer. So you, you delay them at the fence, you delay them with the landscaping and you're delaying them at the actual fabric of the building, then that's a protracted period. And in, in countries like UAE and in the UK, you really only need 20 minutes or so before you're going to get a response from the emergency services. Uh, that will, you know, reinforce you at your property. Um, but all of this has to be balanced up against the budget that you have, you know, and, and you have to, you can't have everything. There is a, there is a, a, ver a very old saying, if you want to, if you want to be completely secure, then live in a prison. Um, but <laughs> most, most buildings, um, you know, businesses, residences, people don't want to live behind multiple layers because you feel like you're in a prison. So, sure. A risk-based approach makes sure that the whatever you put into place is acceptable to the people in that building, um, but still secure enough to protect them when they're there. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it's been said that deny is perhaps the hardest to implement of the four Ds. I mean, you might agree with that or you might not, but um, obviously when we talk about critical assets, life is, is of course the most important, but um, how do we decide what to protect um, how how much planning must go into this sort of objective of of denying yeah well den denying is is subjective i think uh, of all the d's deny is the most uh, difficult to define um because like i said before if it's hostile reconnaissance then what you're denying is information you don't want the criminal to uh, to get the information they need mm. like okay. patrolling patterns like where the weakest windows are, where the weaknesses in fences are, you want to deny that information. Um, and within uh, an insider threat issue, then you want to deny access to different floors in a building. So you may have an employee that is um, allowed to work on floor one, but if your data center's on floor three, then they shouldn't have access. So segmenting within the building is going to deny. So. You have to apply the deny principle to 
to the problem you have. Um, and, and that's really, that's where uh, deny is, is subjective because it, it's, yeah. it's yeah. really about whatever they're trying to achieve and what you're trying to mitigate. Yeah. And yeah. do you think to what extent are organizations actually, I guess, globally in the UK, but also here in the Middle East, of course, uh, sufficiently trained and practiced on the four D's of, of asset protection? Um, do they need to do more? Do we need to do more training? Do people need to be more aware of the four D's? Um, if so, if so. Yeah, I, th I think it's a, it's a great staple. Um, if you're going to work in, in security and risk management, then then applying the four D's is just the foundation, but there are many different um, things that fall out of that. So the operational requirement for um, how you manage the security of an asset is, is most important because if you want to um, focus your security on facial recognition and surveillance equipment, CCTV, by having video analytics, that will trigger an alarm when somebody comes in because you don't want a perimeter fence. And, and uh, so I've worked on universities in the UK. They don't want a fence, but they do want to know mm -hmm. when criminal activity has happened. So they will, they will focus on surveillance equipment. So the operational requirement really has to identify what those threats are, what the client and the business is happy to accept and what the budget is. Um, but mm -hmm. if you were to, to look at the four Ds, it gives you a good handrail to building a good security posture that, that fits for your business. Um, because, you know, shopping centers, they can't have fences around them. You have to have open access and, and crowded places. Yeah, sure. Shopping centers are a good example. You want to have surveillance there to identify pickpockets or, or thieves, but you don't want to stop people coming to that shopping center because the whole point of having a shopping center is to attract people. But through crime prevention, through environmental design, you can create a safe place for good people that is also a hostile place for bad people. Uh, and that's sure. the balance uh, is, is between those two things. You've obviously, you're, you're, you're a bit of a veteran in the security industry, aren't you? Um, I'm sure you have lots of interesting case studies and anecdotes to share about uh, the four Ds and, and in action um, in terms of best practice um, care to share some? Well, indeed, I mean, before this job, I, I was consulting within the ultra high net worth community. So, you know, my fam my clients were um, multi-generational billionaire families and I would travel over the world. So I, I, I did one house in, in the Caribbean, which um, was a beachfront property on a public beach. Um, it had 53 cameras around it, but no alarms. It had doors that you, you know, a child could break into and, and mm. apparatus to climb onto upper, upper balconies quite easily. It was a, a very porous building. And, but the, the, the building was built with a lot of CCTV because only one dimension was put on there. No security officers, no physical deterrence, no physical barriers to delay, but lots of surveillance. So. Sure. It's all very well knowing that um, you know somebody's burgling you, but before you could respond, they're already in your house. And yeah. that's not what you want, especially if you're, the family is the target um, because you want to ki kidnap them for ransom, for instance. That's uh, defeating the point. In the UK, we have a lot of houses which are in, within 200 acres of land. So the nearest neighbour might be half a mile away. 
Now, burglaries happen two ways, either stealthy attacks quietly, you want to be as quiet as possible, or noisy. And if your nearest neighbor is half a mile away, you don't have to be stealthy, you just have to be quick. And burglaries have happened in mansions in the UK where they've managed to get a vehicle into the grounds because of no gates, and they've just driven a vehicle with poles on the front straight through the front windows of the living room, got inside, stolen loads of antiques, and escaped within minutes before an alarm is even raised. And when the police arrive, they've gone, long gone. Yeah. And there might be CCTV there, but there's no point in having CCTV if everybody's got balaclavas on or their faces are covered, you won't identify them. So, <laughs> you know, you have to be able to delay in those those aspects. So, um, yeah, there's horses for courses, you know, yeah. different properties require different things. What about some... What about national critical national infrastructure? I mean, that obviously must be quite a huge sort of undertaking to to have a good risk management strategy around the four Ds uh, for, let's say, oil and gas facility or something like that. Well, in the UK, we're very fortunate to have the Centre for the Protection of National Infrastructure, um, who give a lot of advice out through their website, which is easily accessible uh, if you were to Google CPNI in the uk there's lots of resources there and they do they list the four d's mm. as a, a core principle of security um but you know critical national infrastructure is about keeping the lights on anything that is water gas electricity crowded spaces nuclear uh these things you can't mess around with with those you know the the budgets will be a lot bigger because the impact against the likelihood. So we, when we risk assess, we, we measure the impact of an event happening and we times it against the um, likelihood of it happening. So if um, somebody wanted to poison the water supply, for instance, you know, God forbid, um, they, you know, they, you, you, you have a, such an impact on um, an entire community, all the houses that get the clean water there are at risk. So you can't mess around with that. Proper fences, proper detection, proper vehicle barriers, and the Centre for Protection of National Infrastructure, they're the ones that have the experts from UK government that would help those sectors to defend themselves appropriately, and they test it. So when you do your operational requirement, you put your security measures in place, you have to test those, exercise them, test the guard force, test the fences, test the response time, the reaction to it, to see that you are actually going to deny that without doubt. And that's a pre penetration test. And penetration testing is a very is a very important aspect of understanding that what you've put in place actually does work and you need to be brutal with it. So you can't just go into a penetration test and and just tick the boxes. You really have to try and defeat it because if you identify a weakness in your own layered security, at least then you can fix that problem. Um, and rather than the first time you realize there's a weakness, it being a criminal that is performing that and exploiting that weakness. So um, yeah, testing uh, the response time is really important. In your opinion, what is, I guess, as you said, it's sort of courses, horses for courses when it comes to the four Ds, but what would be the most important uh, D in planning uh, risk management? 
Um, sorry, say that again. In terms of uh, the actual four Ds, uh, what would be the most important? Uh, you, you mentioned, of course, that it's obviously horses for courses, um, but you know, they, they, I guess there must be. It, it depends on on the current situation, the scenario. What would be the most important D of the of, of securing assets? Yeah, I think. Well, obviously, the, the the primary objective is to deter the criminal even starting um, the attack. Right. So a deterrence is is the primary aim, and that is as simple as demonstrating a very strong security posture. It mm. is about investing in your security officers so that they perform, that they are motivated. Um, sadly, one of the, the the biggest weaknesses is that our security officers are low low paid workers um, in the UK, especially. I don't think they're appreciated for the vital role that they play in deterring crime. Yeah. Um, so if you can't deter because you've got a very determined criminal, then uh, a, a combination of the others delaying yeah. them and detecting them at the same time uh, to deny them getting what they want from that attack uh, in equal measure are, are very important. But if, like I said, you, you can't, you don't have the luxury of a perimeter fence, then detection is your is your primary focus sure and, and of course if it's a sorry if it's a situation like a, a shopping mall for example of course yes. that sort of deterrence is not going to be suitable no no but but then having um plainclothes officers um yeah. you know looking properly trained looking for the signs of um hostile reconnaissance so you know when when a criminal is thinking about doing a crime they haven't actually done anything but they feel guilty they feel paranoid. Everything that is a camera looking at them, people observing them, is going to make them feel nervous. The more nervous you make them feel, the less likely they are to put into action their plan for, yeah. for that. And, and sadly, you will never stop them committing a crime. You will only, at best, um, displace the crime. They will, uh, they will decide that they won't attack this shopping centre but maybe this shopping centre over here has a weaker posture. And yeah. so they'll go to that one. Um, so you will always displace crime. But as a security manager, your your primary function is to protect the, the asset that you are paid to protect. So um, all you have to be is better than others. Sure. sure. Um, because sadly, we, can, we cannot stop criminals committing crimes. Definitely not. But certainly with the four Ds, you go a long way to preventing it. You can, you can, yeah, yeah. Rick, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, I'll definitely have you back on, I'm sure, uh, in the coming weeks and months ahead. Um, a lot of potential interesting topics that we can cover um, as we build up to the 23rd edition of Intersecond January 2022. Thanks for being with us. No, Gareth, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, uh, and I hope to see you again soon. Thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, if you'd like to hear more or subscribe to the Intersec podcast series, go to our website at intersecexpo.com or follow us on social media at Intersec Expo. We've got an exciting program of podcasts scheduled over the weeks and months ahead. So do stay tuned. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you all soon.